Blog Talk Radio. This show is dedicated to the 49 lives lost on June 12, 2016 in Post Nightclub in Orlando, Florida. Next Tuesday, July 12th marks one month of the horrific mass shooting. And tonight, before we continue with the show, we would like to speak the names of the innocent victims who lost their lives on that early Sunday morning. We speak your names. Alejandro Martinez. Akira Murray. Amanda Avier. Mercedes Flores. Angel Pedro. Anthony Disla. Antonio Brown, Brenda McCool, Christopher Sanfelice, Corey Connell, Bianca Drayton, DJ Burt, Adi Bryce Justice, Edward Sotomayor, Enrique Rios, Eric Rivera, Frank Hernandez. Frankie Velasquez, Geraldo Ortiz Jimenez, Gilberto Menendez, Jason Josephat, Javier Reyes, Jean Rodriguez, Jean Perez, Harold Wright, Joel Penigua, Jonathan Vega, Juan Chavez Martinez, Juan Velasquez, Juan Guerrero, Christopher Linonen, Kimberly Morris, Leroy Fernandez, Luis Conde, Luis Leon, Luis Capo, Luis Vilma. Martin Torres, Miguel Ponoreto, Oscar Montero, Simon Fernandez, Paul Henry, Peter Gonzalez Cruz, Rodolfo Ayala, Shane Tomlinson, Stanley Amadovar, Tevin Crosby, Javier Rosado, Yamari Sullivan. We speak your name. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to the talk with Micah and friends. And yes, it is me, 
Micah. <laughs> wow, can you actually believe it's been almost three months since I've actually had a show? You know, hey, but I needed a break, as we all do. You know, plus working on other projects, you know, I'm traveling immensely. All of those things have kept me definitely busy, but now it's time to get back to business, okay? So I'm back, and I'm so glad to be gracing the airwaves once again. Now, this is actually my 55th episode. That's right, number 55. And while this is not an official opening to the third season of the Talk with Mike and Friends, I felt like an impromptu show was definitely necessary. We've had a lot of things happen in the world, a lot of things happen in the media, social media, and we had a lot of things happen in your lives, and we want to hear about it tonight, okay? So, that brings us to the title of today's show, which is called Let's Chat. Let's just chat, okay? And we'll do all of that in just a few minutes. Remember now, you can subscribe and listen to all the various uh, shows that we've had in many different forms, many different ways. We have hipcast.com. That's H-I-P-C-A-S-T.com. You will simply click the search directory link at the top, search the top W forward slash Micah and friends, and it should pull up all of the episodes for you. Okay, that's HipCast. Then you have iTunes. That's right, iTunes. Simply click on the purple podcast app on your iPhone device, select search at the bottom right, type in the talk with Micah and friends, and voila, (laughs) all episodes should be there at your leisure for you to peruse. And don't forget the site that makes it happen each and every episode, blogtalkradio.com. Okay, so simply go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash the talk with Micah, click on the follow link, and then have fun. You know, going all the way back to December 2013, which is when I actually had my very first show. Okay? So you got blogtalkradio.com, you have iTunes and Hipcast. And if you're just too lazy, just simply go to Google, www.google.com, and put in the Talk with Mike and Friends, and it should pull up something for you. Okay? <laughs> also, if you would like to promote your business, your brand, or your next event, please email us at thetalkwithmica at gmail.com. Again, thetalkwithmica at gmail.com, and I'll get you all the information you need for you to start promoting. Sounds good? Good. Well, let's go ahead and take a few minutes to pay some bills, and we'll be right back with Let's Chat with an all-new panel. Be back in a second. Ferris Optimal Photos is back creating flyers and promos to raise money for Team Justin in the hopes to aid the National Kidney Foundation to find a cure for kidney disease. The edits are just $45 and you can receive an extra $5 off if you share an ad for Ferris Optimal Photos. All money raised will go to Team Justin to further the efforts of educating the masses about kidney disease, dialysis, and how you can avoid this from happening to you. Please contact Justin James on Facebook or feel free to call 504-307-3273. Again, that's area code 504-307-3273. Together we can win the fight against kidney disease while still looking fabulous in our photos. Hey yo, what's up? This is Kendall Brinkley Brown and here's a preview of my debut single, Why. Available now on iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon. You got me saying why, why, maybe it's just in my name, I
Download the hit single Why, available today on iTunes, Amazon, and Google Play. For more information, please visit www.kindlemix.com. Again, that's www.kendollmix.com. Hey guys, this is Talia Castellan, the current reigning as Black Trans International and the founder of the Say No to Silicon Injections campaign. I started my campaign last year to keep people aware of the dangers of silicon injections. Please, 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 by all means, go to my Facebook page, Say No to Silicon Injections, two being the numeric number, and get as much information as possible. Educate yourself and educate your friends. We should all transition the right way and the healthy way. Thank you. I made a promise to myself many years ago before I ever put out a book that I wouldn't produce or put out any type of project if I didn't have something to say. And so I really didn't think that I had lived enough to write a full book, a sequel, but I actually had something to say and I'm actually in love with this new book. This new book is actually called One Thing for Certain, Two Things for Sure. It is the sequel to Words Never Spoken and I'm actually in love with this new book. <laughs> Just as excited about One Thing for Certain, Two Things for Sure as I was about Words Never Spoken. What's up everybody? This is Craig Stewart. My book's Words Never Spoken and the follow-up. One thing for certain, two things for sure, can be purchased now from my website. That's www.craigtherighterstewart.com. Okay, yeah, yeah, check out this chef, right? <laughs> right? That's so gay. That's really gay. <laughs> Look at those hands. Please don't say that. What? Don't say that something is gay when you mean that something is dumb or stupid. It's insulting. It's like if I thought this pepper shaker was stupid, and I said, man, this pepper shaker is so 16-year-old boy with a cheesy mustache. Just saying. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Talk with Micah and Friends. If you just actually joined us, you actually have joined in at the best possible time. Um, today's show is entitled Let's Chat. You know, it's very similar to my candid conversation show, you know, where I would actually have a panel guest, you know, who would open up dialogue and discuss various topics, and no matter what the topic. So since this is an impromptu show, it's really not an official opening to my third season, I wanted to sit with four black men of the LGBTQ community and be open and honest and just simply chat about a few things. So now let's go ahead and welcome to the show. Um, all actually here for the very first time. Um, we have Davian of Atlanta. We have Kevin of New York. We have Dantes, also of Atlanta. And last but not least, we have Rashawn of Houston, Texas. Welcome to the show, guys. Good evening. Uh, Thank you. I'm wonderful, wonderful. Glad to have you here. Glad that each and every one of you were um, available tonight. Um, so, you know, are you guys ready to kind of get into some conversation about many different things? <laughs> are you ready? Yeah, I'm down. I'm ready. I okay. think I think I am. <laughs> okay. Who who just said I think I am? Was that Dante? Yes. Okay. Yes. No, 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 I think you're ready. Uh, now, for anyone that is listening, um, of course, you still have time to, to jump in on the line, but for anyone that's listening, if you would like to join in the conversation, you can just simply press 1, you know, as we go along with tonight's impromptu conversation, especially, you know, when something piques your interest and you would like to know more, you have your own rebuttal to the combo that's actually happening live, feel free to press one and we'll bring you on in. 
Um, also, if you have a question or topic for the guys and you're actually listening via the link, um, you can actually open up the chat pod. And actually, let me do that right now because I usually activate that, like, before the show. But um, I have so many, so many things. But I did go ahead and open up the chat pod. So um, with that chat pod, for anyone that's actually streaming live via the link, um, you can pose your question, your topic, or, or whatever there as well, okay? All right. So um, we're going to go ahead and start. On my last Candid Conversation show, not sure if anyone of you listened, but I'm, I hope you didn't listen. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but I hope you didn't listen to it because um, I played a clip that the author of One Thing for Certain, Two Things for Sure, as well as Words Never Spoken, Craig Stewart, um, he made especially for me. Um, it was words from a, it was words actually from this particular author um, that he placed on Facebook earlier in the year, and I really wanted to be able to have an open and honest conversation um, surrounding the young black gay male. Um, and I think sometimes we forget about the young black gay male. Sometimes we ridicule or we make fun of the young black gay males that are coming up now because, of course, we are now getting up in age within this community. But I, I honestly wanted to hear different people's perspectives. And, you know, while I love the last two responses, I don't think we got really to the meat of what the, this passage or this thought was truly all about. Um, I heard a lot of, oh, you know, yeah, like someone would, you know, give a response and the next person would agree, the next person would agree. And um, I, I really want you, you guys' open and honest responses, whatever they may be, surrounding what I'm about to play. So I'm going to play this a little clip. Um, I titled it, or he titled it, Little Black Gay Boy. Um, so I want you guys to listen attentively, and then once um, it's finished, I'll be asking some questions and see how you guys feel about that, okay? Okay. All right. Okay. Okay, here you go. Little Black Gay Boys, this is an open letter to you. I hope this finds you well. I'm sorry that it's taken me almost 40 years to admit this, but we failed you, and I owe you an apology from all of us that came before you. I'm sorry that we didn't do a better job of shielding you from the pitfalls, of protecting you and offering guidance those times you were unsure or felt like you were all alone. I've asked myself a million times, who cries for the little black gay boy? I'm sorry that we didn't equip you with the tools to navigate successfully in this community. In some cases, we watched you stumble and fall while offering nothing more than a simple shake of the head. But for what it's worth, no one taught us how to be. Nevertheless, I have to admit, you've made me very proud. You've marched boldly through the world at times, holding the door open for some of us to step through and out of that closet. You flourished in some areas with very little direction from us. But still, I wonder often, who cries for the little black gay boy? See, the generation that came before me taught me how to sneak, cheat, hide, and lie about who I was, so it was impossible for me to take you by the hand and show you the way or even be there for you when your very own family turned their backs on you. Still, you've somehow managed to live unabashed in the light. Perhaps you took notes from watching some of us cower in that same closet, which you've refused to dwell in. I want to break this cycle of silence, and so again I ask, who cries for the little black gay boy? We should have taken you under our wing and taught you that being gay is more than sex, or being well-dressed and well-spoken that it's a responsibility. Instead, we allowed your well-defined body to distract us, and we became more focused on trying to lure you into our bed. We used you for sex to feed our egos, all for the sake of pacifying our fear of growing old alone. Who cries for the little black gay boy? 
and we were simply too busy trying to forget about our past hurts and past pains and all of the emptiness we felt through our own frustrations with being black and gay. Who cries for the little black gay boy? We should have taken the time to show you what it really means to be black, gay, and proud because it isn't simply going to clubs during Gay Pride Weekend in various cities across this country. Who cries for the little black gay boy? But we were too worried about getting older and concerned with staying young and looking young rather than teaching you the things you really need to know about sex. Who cries for the little black gay boy? And because we failed you, you resort to using half-naked and naked pictures of yourself on social media to gain likes and followers because we didn't step in sooner to whisper in your ear, this may come back to haunt you someday. Again, I ask, who cries for the little black gay boy? We neglected to tell you that there's an art to love and it begins with friendship, not sex. Consequently, you have sex with hopes of finding love, and for fun even, because we've convinced you that people no longer die from complications from AIDS because the medicine is better now. Who cries for the little black gay boy? We've even fooled you into believing that PrEP is a cure or vaccine for HIV, so you've become even more carefree and boastful about having raw, casual sex. Shame on us and shame on you for not doing better. The consequence of us standing by, watching, and saying nothing has resulted in far too many little black gay boys living with the reality of being HIV positive and moving through the world feeling empty and loveless. Who cries for the little black gay boy? What I know for sure is that it isn't too late because it's never too late to be better or for me to say, I love you, we need you. Be safe and keep loving yourself. Thank you so very much, Craig Stewart. Again, he's the author of um, Words Never Spoken and One Thing for Certain, Two Things for Sure. You can pick up his book at CraigTheWriterStewart.com or you can simply go to Amazon. Um, but I, I love what he said, and I wanted to get um, you guys' um, personal opinion or your feedback or just, you know, who it, it doesn't have to be in any particular order, but, you know, what did you guys get from that you know, um, in regards to, to what he spoke about, trying for a little black boy, black gay boy? Okay, no problem. Um, well, I, what I got from it is basically um, a question I've been asking myself um, since I came out, um, and it's becoming even more prevalent now that all the killings are going on, that posts just happened, that we're getting police brutality left and right, and basically it's still how I feel to, to, this, to this day. It feels feels like who cries for the little guy, black gay boy? Who cries for the black gay male, period? Because with all those injustices going on, I still feel like the nation as a whole, and sometimes even the world as a whole, doesn't cry for the little black gay boy. I, and I saw, I think I saw that passage when um, Craig posted it, if I'm not mistaken, and Michael, you may have too, um, <laughs> but I saw that passage um and I actually asked myself a lot of those questions, and what it what it comes down to for me is we have came so far with gay marriage, we came so far with um, 
the rights that we do have as gay men and just being in the LGBTQ community, but we have so much farther to go. Um, and I feel like I'm not doing my service as well, doing enough service as well to help the little gay black boy that's coming out in these times. There's a lot of homelessness. There's a lot of drug use. And there's a lot of, you know, of course, with the HIV epidemic still growing, you know, it gets better with the drugs and everything. But when it comes to the little black gay boy, I just feel like, just like Craig said, um, there's prevention. And now there is this myth that PrEP is some type of cure. So you can mm-hmm. kind of run it. I'm not saying everybody uses that as a cure, but I knew when I heard of PrEP that it was going to become this, some type of gateway to a, a, a gateway to other things. Cause if my whole thing is with PrEP, um, I feel like it's, it's a great tool as far as if you are in a um, relationship with someone or, um, you know, you're just taking precautions to protect yourself. It's a great tool for that. But it is also if you're not educated and if you're just being careless and thinking that, oh, well, prep, prep will save me, you know, and I can kind of be promiscuous. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it it, it it turns into other things instead of being used with what, what it's supposed to be used for. Um, so when it comes to the look, when it comes to the little black gay boy, I still feel like the little black gay boy today in 2016 is still being neglected, and we as a whole, as a community, need to help the little black gay boy. Thank you so very much. I jotted some notes down, so I may be asking you some follow-up questions, but thank you, Dante, um, you brought up some great points. Um, who's next? Who would like to, to share some light? Kevin. So, hi. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Kevin. Um so here's my thing. Um, I grew up in – so I'm 40, um, and I grew up in Texas and uh, the South. And I don't know. I came out at 19. Um, I came out and literally uh, it was a safe haven in, in, in Dallas. It's called Cedar Springs. And back in the 90s, it was literally the only gay area that you could possibly go with. And there was a little bookstore there. It was called the Special Blend where I would sneak off to and read you know, gay literature, uh, gay fiction, or what have you, and kind of learn more about myself. And then I walked out to the street one day and I met the Lady PT. Um, and she forever changed my trajectory and she changed my life. I think that, you know, some experiences are, are different than others. Um, but I think the gay family – plays a big part in the each one teach one of bringing someone forward. And I, I know for me, and I, and I know the Davenports, the Collins, and people that are in Dallas, they take it seriously by trying to bring people forward or trying to educate the young gays as they come out or, or try to, you know, to teach them what's right or what's wrong. <clears throat> and, yes, we do have those predators in our community that tries to use that as an impetus to kind of get into people's, you know, pants and so forth and so on. But I think that by and large that we are, you know, a lot of us are trying to bridge the gap, and we are trying to give back, and we are trying to trying to impact. And I, and I see a lot of it going on. It surprises me a lot because, you know, I, for a while there, the gay family it kind of died out, uh, and then it turned into the ballroom family. But I slowly but surely see the gay family starting to thrive again. Because you know what? If it wasn't for you know my gay my gay mother, 
You know, I probably would have slept on the street some nights when my mm. mother wasn't having me being out on that long. Amen. I probably, Amen. I, I, I probably be in a, a, some places and, been, and and would have been with some people and made some decisions that I should not have made if it wasn't for her being the strict person that she is and saying a no is a no and a no is a no. And, you right. know, so if it wasn't for her teaching me how to respect me, how to love me, how to know that I'm gorgeous, I'm pretty, I'm beautiful, I, I am the best thing that anybody could possibly have, then I probably would have made bad decisions about who I want to date or who I want to be with or I would have done those things because I felt like that's what I deserved. So I think that that's, that's our job. That's the reason why I have so many gay kids. I have a huge amount of gay kids. And it doesn't matter, you know, I've been in New York six years. So it doesn't matter where I'm at. I, I tend to attract a lot of young people or younger people because I – talk to them. I try to educate them. I try to bring them forward. And I think that's our that's our calling for those of us who are learning, for those of us who have made it, for those of us who are doing well, and those of us who are being an example just to ourselves allows us to be an example to someone else. And we have to take it upon ourselves to burden ourselves with the lives of the people that are coming behind us because someone did that for us. That's so right. we have to pay it forward. And then when it comes to the prep situation, I can't speak for the other states, but as far as New York goes, in order to get on PrEP, you have to go through a counseling, and you, you have to go through three different counseling sessions, and they're kind of like a peer education class, and they literally educate you on what PrEP is, what it does, what it does not do, what it's supposed to be used for. And it can be used for a myriad of other things, but, again, it's designed, you know, to prevent, you know, the infection, you know, the transmission. But here's the thing, though. We want to say yes, you know, we want to, you know, not encourage them to have sex. We want to encourage them to do this, that, and the third. But based on, you know, the statistics, based on the current rates of infection, based on, you know, the last state of AIDS report, they're they're having sex. So I would much rather them be on something than be on nothing at all. And no, that's not the cure. Absolutely not. It's the furthest thing from the cure. But anything that's allowing them to at least – you know, my, you know, um, I was telling Michael, M- Micah one time about the model that I use with my gay kids. It's called harm reduction. So the harm reduction model pretty much says, I'm allowing you to be you, and I'm not going to tell you what you need to do, but I'm going to try to lessen the amount of harm that you do to yourself while allowing you still to be you. you it'll be your decision, but I'm going to slide little nuggets in there every now and then and put little thoughts in your head and help you to create that decision on your own. So that's what I want. That's what PrEP is. PrEP is giving you – the decision on your own to make that decision, not telling you what to do, but giving you that little piece of security that you know that you can make the decision for yourself. Now, it's our job as the older, you know, the older crowd or the older epsilon is to teach them the self-worth and, the, and to value themselves enough to the point where they use prep the way that it's supposed to be used. Oh, some some other great points. Thank you so very much, Kevin. Um, I'll be, you know, I'm, I'm still writing down, so I'm, I'm going to be thinking about a lot of, of, of what you said. Um, so I definitely appreciate it. Uh, Davian, uh, Rashawn, uh, either one. For me, this is a for me. Like, I, I'm kind of the complete opposite with the whole piece. I don't want nobody crying for me. Um, for me, I'm. I, I, I grew up in a very small, like, very country town where I'm from, and I was one of the only little black boys, so it didn't even matter if I was gay or or what. I was the only black boy. So I had to have a very thick skin, and I carried the black a while. So for me, I – it's very – 
I feel very disconnected. Like, I was just sitting here like, damn, I feel very cold-hearted to the situation. But at the end of the day, I was brought up very strong. Like, I mean, I'm black. I'm proud. I am who I am. And everyone loves loves loved me for that, and I never I never saw that I was a little black gay boy. My name is Rashawn, and that's just what it was. And it's never been nothing else besides that. I carry myself that way. So all of the shit that be going on, I it I just be like, I mean, eh. what did you do to put yourself in that? What did you do to put yourself in that situation? Like, I mean, we always America is so quick to cry out. And and, 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 and and pinpoint a subject, but you never be like, you know, what what the fuck was the person doing to do that? Whatever it was, how severe or small it is. What, what did you do? Like, when right. you were growing up, did your mama just whoop you for no reason? Like, you just got a whooping for no reason unless you just had an ignorant mama. Like, my mama ain't never just gave me no whooping just because I got an A on the paper. Mama got an A on the paper. Come on, get in here. Like, I mean, that doesn't make no sense. I've never, I've been pulled over many a times, and I've walked away from many a ticket. I've had the other situation as well, but I've never had a situation to where what I see on TV and all of that because I know when I got pulled over, I got pulled over for a reason. It wasn't just because I was black. It was because I got pulled over for the reason I got a ticket. So just you know, it's just a matter. It's just a matter of you know, you're you just holding yourself. For me, with me, when you look at me, Rashawn, you know my standards because I carry myself the exact same way, twenty four seven, three sixty five, in the three sixty six on a leap year. Like I carry myself all the same exact. I don't get a flip flop. I'm going to give you straight forward, twenty four seven. And I mean that's just the way it should be. And if I feel like if everyone is that way, a lot of a lot of things would just you know, wouldn't be the way it is because a lot of people want to cover up, you know, what they what their childhood issue issue was, and when they get into empowerment, oh, they want to just ban that all of a sudden. Well, I mean, bro, like, I mean, you might just need to get help on that situation. Like, don't punish me because you got problems. That's just how I feel about it. Okay, I'm gonna come back to you. <laughs> I'm gonna come back to you, Rashawn. Uh, no, but I definitely appreciate your response. Um, and, and I'll speak on that in just a second. Um, and last but not least, Davian, I want to go ahead and get your um, your thoughts about the little black boy and what Craig, uh, for, Craig had to say. For me, it kind of just, just starts back from the beginning of when I was a gay boy growing up. There, there really wasn't – nobody was comfortable talking about being gay. I feel like the the kids nowadays, it's never been this com- – it's never been this comfortable to be – who you are, and back then we didn't have that, so we didn't have an example of somebody setting it up for us and telling us what to look for and what to do and what not to do, and I think nowadays we know what we didn't have, but we still don't set that example for those, the young gays that are coming up under us. I feel like they're buck wild. They, they're reckless. Um, you can show them the, the statistics. You can show them HIV, you can show them STDs, you can show them the killings that are going on now, but they don't they don't look at life the same way we did. I feel like when we were coming up, in a sense, we had a point to prove. Nowadays, they don't Amen. really have that same fight that we had. We had a point to prove. We had to say that 
I deserve to live. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a disease. I'm not disgusting. I don't deserve to be homeless. I deserve to have somebody love me. They don't have to they don't have to fight that battle nowadays, but I don't think they pay attention to anything to even realize how easy they have it and the people that came before them what they went through, even people before me, because I didn't get it. Surprisingly, I didn't find out about Stonewall until maybe three years ago. Somebody brought it up, and I was like, what was that? And they was like, oh, my gosh, you didn't know what that was. And I went back, and I looked over it, and it was like, wow, that's deep. When it comes to reality and where we stand now today, of course, black lives matter. I feel like anybody's life, life matters. But when I see black men get killed, I think it's sad. But when I saw that Pulse nightclub shooting, I sat in my bed and I wept. It never affected me until I saw someone that could have possibly been me. I'm able to relate to the victims of Pulse versus the other black men. Granted, I am a black man, but it just was different. It was something about that situation that I felt I felt connected to that more so than anything else. When it comes to prep, I feel like prep, just like anything, has its pros and its cons. Whatever you can do to keep somebody safe or whatever you can do to prevent HIV, then I say by all means do it. I want people to stop acting like HIV is the the, the worst that can happen to you, though, because there's life after being HIV positive. But there are still other infections that you can get that you do, that you shouldn't have to deal with if you just use your brain and you're you're mindful of your ways and protect yourself. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. we're so quick to say that there's a pill to to make it all right after you do it. Count up the cost before you do it. Like think about you got one life to live and you need to do all you can to make that the best life before the consequences. Now I was hard headed. I wouldn't listen until after I had ran into certain brick walls, and then it was like, damn, somebody tried to tell me, but I didn't listen. But I feel like nowadays, to a degree, we have some type of responsibility to try and get them to listen. But I don't even know if nowadays they have the same safe houses that we had. Do they still have, like, the the different centers and people and programs that you go and talk to? I don't know. But, yeah, that's my two cents.
um, the Brothers in New York. We have we, we have like a myriad of different organizations that create safe zones and safe spots, and they get you into housing or shelter or like if your parents just put you out. Um, but like, I, but I think the funny thing is, you have less and less of that going on for this generation than it was for our generation. Mm-hmm. I think that in 2016, it's like it's in my, you know, my son's gay. Oh my God, how great, how amazing. I have a new daughter, you know, this, that, and the third. But when we were coming out, you say the word gay and you got hit with the switch or you got, you know, you got put out or, you know, you got beat up by your father or they sent you some type of transition camp. There was no safe zones. There was nobody to talk to. So there's so many avenues for people to find help, find resources and things like that. So if you are out there, and you're trying to find access to help, or you don't know who to call or, or who to contact. My, is, my name is Kevin Buttons, K-E-V-Y-N-B-U-T-T-O-N-S. Just inbox me on Facebook. I accept all, all messages on Facebook, and I'll direct you to the organization in your, in your city, in your state, that will get you to the resources that you need. Thank you, Kevin. And what what I appreciate, um, and somebody may have some background noise, so you might want to mute your phone for just a second. But what I um what I appreciate, of course, you know, most all of you know that are on the line, but um, people that are listening may or may not know. But you know, I lived in Atlanta in the South for twelve years. Prior to that, you know, I lived in South Carolina in Myrtle Beach. You know, um, country town or whatever, touristic spot, but tourist spot, but it was still country. You know. Um, and then from Atlanta, you know, I moved to D.C., lived there two and a half years, and then I moved to New York. But throughout that transition and, and me traveling a lot, um, I was able to, you know, visit a lot of different cities um, and still visit, visit a lot of different cities. But it wasn't really until I moved from Atlanta and moved to D.C., and then I was in a relationship for a little bit um, with someone that was really heavily involved in the community, that I didn't re- that I realized that there was a lot out there for our um, our gay youth, our gay black men, gay white men, whatever the case may be, but especially our black gay men or you know black young black gay men as well. Um, and that's something that I always appreciated. So I you know I didn't go to Pride for a very long time. I didn't learn all that time. I didn't go to Pride maybe two years, and that's when I first moved there in 2001 and 2002. And then I think 2003 was my last time going or something like that. Because it didn't fancy me. It didn't really do anything for me because living in Atlanta, you party every weekend. So what was the difference? Oh, we got some more gays. Okay, wow. You know, so I kind of like. It's pride. You know, it's pride it, every yeah. day. <laughs> right. It's pride every day. So I kind of stopped going to those things. And then I kind of had a negative connotation as it relates to pride. And we'll talk about pride in a second. But um, I had a negative vibe about them and what I felt they were because I was first introduced in 2001. Uh, January MLK weekend was my first time coming from South Carolina, going to um, Atlanta and seeing what I felt I was connected to at at that point. It was all kind of weird, but I was like, oh, they they're like me, and you know they're gay, and they're oh my god, it's two men on each other. Oh my god, they're like really like men, men. Like I was I was never used to that. That was nothing that I saw on TV or whatever that we see on, on TV now. But as I transitioned and moved further north, I started to see pride really take a focal point on not necessarily clubs and sex parties and those and day parties and those type of things, but they had more focus on um, workshops, you know, uh, leadership classes or whatever, you know, fit programs, you know, they were trying to get people into that. So, you know, like Philly, so Philly, San Fran, L.A., Chicago, D.C., NYC, you know, those are the 
the places where I felt like I still feel like are more of a um, are doing the right thing. You know, I don't I don't know what it is about the South. I don't know if it's because of the battle, but I don't know what it is. But it's still very much undercover, under wraps. You know, oh they they're not really gonna like this. Oh they're not gonna come out for this or whatever. And I always say, well you have to make it interesting. You have to make you know. Anybody's gonna, you know, people will go to a, may not go to a store regularly, but if the store is having some type of sale or some type of thing that's enticing them to go, or, or some type of reward at the end of the rainbow or whatever, so to speak, you know, they'll they'll be more prone to go. Um, so that's something that I wish, um, definitely in the South, that we had more of. But jumping back really quick because I don't want to spend too much time on Craig's um, passage, but I connected on a lot of levels with all of you. Um, and interesting enough, Rajan, I connected with. That's why I was like, I'm gonna get back to you. But um, up, I kind of had this beat for a long time. But the gay families, you know, really quickly, gay families. Uh, I feel like um, when I came when I came out or came into the scene, the gay families reared you. It was it was it was real. It's like Kevin said, it was real. You know, it wasn't about getting in your pants and this type of thing. It was rearing, you know, once you came up, up under stewardship or up under the leadership of someone that was older, not somebody that was two years older than you, but someone that was older, um, more seasoned, well-versed, and kind of kept you out of all of what was going on or kind of gave you a, a, a little guide as to how to maneuver through the journey that we, you know, consider to be gay, bi, trans, or whatever. Um, and now what is disheartening to me because I do have gay kids who I think I have 10, and you heard me say I think I have 10. It's, it's 10 or 11, but I, um, I take, you know, I take from what Raquel has done with me, Raquel Lord, what she has done for me and, and all of that, and I instill that into them. And even just what my own mother has instilled in me, I feel in my kids. And like Kevin say in reference to paying it forward, I wrote that down even before he said it because I feel like, if we're going to be gay parents or if we're going to be mentors, because some, some of us are not comfortable with saying, oh, that's my gay daddy or wanting, you know, somebody to call us gay dad or gay mom, but at least being a mentor. I feel like once we are a mentor and we're mentoring those kids or whatever, that we're not only showing them the right way, but we're, once they're on the right path, that we're making sure that they are doing the very same. You know what I'm saying? Like, because um, sometimes we expect them, oh, well, I taught them, so, you know, I know they're going to do the right thing. Well, yeah, our parents did the very same thing. They taught us right from wrong, but sometimes we may have went left versus right. So we want to make sure that we're, that we're telling them, make sure that as you get gay kids and whatever, and they become my grandkids or whatever the case may be, that you're doing the very same um, thing that I've done um, to you um, or done for you. Um, when it comes down to Rashawn, and um, if someone has any rebuttals after me, that's totally fine, and then we'll move on. But I never connected with the black uh, man um, or the black struggle. As, like Rashawn said, I grew up in the country, and I grew up in South Carolina, Confederacy land, you know, KKK, all of that great stuff. But I was one of those kids that was – I wasn't the only black in the class, but I was a scholar black in the class. I was the one that was going out for all of the different, you know, whether it's student council or I was doing the, the off-Broadway plays or I was just maybe that token black boy, as people would say. Um, and a lot of my best friends were white, you know, and I was kind of like put on the, the black kids who say, oh, you think you're all of that or you're conceited or whatever. And I never thought of those things. It's just because I come from a military background. My mom is very strict. 
um, but leaning at the same time that I just came from a, a different background, and we, and we live right beside each other, you know. Um, and that just happens with brothers and sisters, you know. The, the brother may turn out, brother may turn out perfect, you know, and the sister is the one that's always in jail, you know. So I grew up sort of like Rashawn or whatever. So for a long time, I just really didn't connect with, with the Black Lives Matter and, and the thing that happened in Baltimore. Like I had never been profiled, even living in South Carolina. I don't know if I fit in. I don't know what it was, you know, but I never. Oh, God, thank you. You know, I, I never, I, it, that never happened for me. Um, I was at once, now I, I have to say, it didn't happen until I moved to D.C. And it happened maybe right before the whole Baltimore thing. But I was just coming home, got stopped by the cops or whatever, and then he just kind of like gave me the third degree, and I'm just like, okay, don't you see I got on work, and not work clothes, but I'm dressed up, you know, halfway in a suit you know, this and the other, and you're asking me, like, oh, what do you have in the car, this and the other, and I was like, hold up, wait a minute, you know, and, and as I left, you know, getting back on the road, I was like, well, that's his profile, I mean, did he just give, would he have done that to my director, you know, would he have done that to my boss, this little, little short white woman, would he have done that to her, you know, but I never connected, but now I feel like, regardless if, I, if we can, um, regardless if we connect or not, it is our duty, um, and it is our job to just be more cognizant of what is going on and really to stand up. We may not be in the trenches and in, 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 in the streets saying, hey, all lives, you know, black lives matter and, and things of that nature. But let me tell you this, at the end of the day, they still see us the same. No matter where our, back, where the, our background is and how much sure education we have and all of that, they're still seeing us the same. You know what I'm saying? So, the same. And, and, and honestly, I told you, I, go ahead. I totally agree, but this is something that my dad taught me that I that I carry. Think about any time you see an old black photo of Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Rosa Parks, all, all of that. Black people, we looked like something. We were somebody, even though we hadn't shit. We you we looked like we had a million dollars, and that was something that my father told me. You better not ever walk out this house without a haircut without a belt on, without looking like somebody if you don't have no lights on at the crib. And 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 for that we have lost that as a black culture. Like we don't have that. Like you don't we don't have no ourselves. Our yeah, and and and, yeah, and, and but <laughs> Go ahead, but and I always have I, I guess I have to be the antithesis. So here's here's my thing. My thing is yes, we all we, we my mother always said we must always put our best foot forward, or our best pump forward, and we must strut it like we know it. I get it, I got it, and good. But however, those of us who don't have as the as the others have, those of us who are are less, you know, who who are poor, who don't have the ability to get a haircut every week, who don't have the ability to look their best every time they come out, that that doesn't mean that they deserve to get racially profiled, harassed, pulled over, and and mistreated because because of that. I think that by no, no, yes, yeah, of course we we yes we have to put our best foot forward. Yes, we look. We well, I believe at, at my old choir director, he was this old old queen. His name was Dr. Garcia. And his first line was, "I believe in the beating of the faces and the whipping of the hair." And he, he'll turn around. <laughs> he, he, he he was like six hundred pounds sitting in the chair, and he would turn around and say, "You can always see the nape of my neck. It's always lying." But and, and and I get it. You always put your best foot forward, and you know me. 
I'm very fashion forward. You know, Micah will tell you, I'm serious when it comes oh, yeah. to serious. It's not even about <laughs> it comes fashion, to it. though. You can, it's, it's, it's not right. even about fashion. You could you could press a white tee and make it look like something, but I'm saying this generation now would take the tee would take the tee out the dre- would take the tee out the, the dresser and, and go. But I couldn't even wear white tees. That that that's all I'm just saying. I mean, but I'm not I'm not trying. I'm not pro black or nothing like that. I'm very I'm very much a struggle. I went to Prairie View A and M University. I'm not I'm not that. Please don't say that. Come on, HBCU. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is you, we have to get back a standard, and that's that's all I'm saying. But I leave agree. The, leave, I the, do. Leave, leave the leave the color where it be. Yes, yes, it is happening to you because you're black. Yes, it's happening to you because you're black. But what are you going to do to stop it? Are you going to continue to be ignorant like our ancestors were, or are you going to use the education that you want to outsmart them? Because one thing that you are not going to take from me is my education. No one will out-talk me. You're never going to outsmart talk me. I will stand in front of anyone and outspeak them, and that will take you anywhere. I can look, I can look like nothing, but the second I open up my mouth and I sound like I got some fucking sense, then someone's going to pay some attention to me because the, the people who got millions of dollars, they don't dress up in, in, in swag and all of that unless you a superstar. They wear regular clothes, and, and they open their mouth and make something happen because they're, 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 their words are powerful. Exactly, because their words are powerful. It has nothing to do with you being fashion because I'm not flashy. I, I, if you look at my pictures of wardrobe, I'm very bland. It's going to be very solid, all of that. I don't need all of that. I'm going to tell you right. what I got, what God gave me. That's my faith in buying, whatever I, whatever I can work out with what he gave me. I don't need nothing material to make me anything. But what I'm going to use is what he gave me, and that's my common sense. You cannot take that away from anyone. So it doesn't. You can be poor. I, I came from poor. I, I, my family started in a in a in a one bedroom project, and we, and it took me to a two story house. And I saw my parents do that, and I I refused to go back to where they were. I said, well, I'm going to start where they left me, and I and I'm going to go higher. But 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 that's something that me as an individual, I'm mentally strong to do that. Not everybody is is, is mentally strong to do that though. Right. right. And I, 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 I understand. I understand that. I, I get it. One thing, Rayshon, 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 this is Dante's. I wanted to touch on something that you said earlier, and I'll be done with my point. I, I totally agree with what you said earlier as far as um, when it comes to um, who cries for the little black boy. I don't want anybody to cry for me, but there are some black boys, little black boys, little black girls, whomever in the LGBT community, Q, I apologize, um, that do need that help that do <laughs> that do need someone or whatever because yeah I had a supportive family I was in honors classes all types of stuff I was and yes I was sometimes the only black boy or whatever and a lot of people don't know this about Florida or whatever Florida is predominantly white and Hispanic period there's not a lot, a lot of black people you might see them on your timeline and stuff like that but there's not a lot of black people in Florida especially where I'm from I'm from a city by the sea called St. Petersburg. So there's not a lot, a lot of black people. So we were bused to schools. We were bused to predominantly white schools. And then I ended up being in honors classes and being in classes with all whites, all, you know, predominantly Hispanic. And so by me coming out, my experience was a little different. My experience was a little different. I didn't really come out until I started going to Orlando, blah, blah, blah. And just to your point, I just feel like now also you said that, you know, you don't want anybody crying for you, and we do need people that are crying for the little black boy. Um, 
when I came out, there were um, programs and there were safe houses. And, yes, there, are, there is a lot of stuff still available in the community. Um, what there is not, though, um, what I feel is not, um, because I did come up through a, a gay family. Um, I did have a gay father. And I, I heard somebody say to me a long, long time ago, well, not even long that long ago, but I was talking to this dude. He was like, you still got a gay father? Like, don't you think you're a little too old for that? And I didn't think about it until he said it. I was just like, okay, and, you know, um, am I supposed to stop my relationship with him just because I'm getting older and he's getting older? Am I, am I supposed to cut that off? And I just always thought that my experience, and I can't speak for everybody else's experience because I've seen bad relationships through gay parenting, through the ballrooms, through pageants, all that, or whatever. I've seen bad relationships, but there are some great relationships, and I feel like those people are needed in your life. You don't have to, like Michael said, you don't have to call them, oh, my gay mama, my gay daddy. I still call mine my dad or whatever because he basically took me under his wing throughout this lifestyle, and, you know, I had support from my parents because I had a gay uncle. So my parents my parents and my grandmother, they went through the whole gay thing in the 80s or whatever. So with that being said, I just feel like that help is still needed. No, I don't want anybody crying for me, but we still need to, if you feel it in your heart, to pass it on to the next generation, anybody that you know or what, that will be in that age bracket from 18 on up or however to pass that knowledge on that you've learned. So they might need somebody to cry for them, hold their hand. I just feel like that's still needed. Regardless of regardless of how you live now, there's somebody that's doing totally worse and getting kicked out of their house, and they didn't do anything wrong but be gay. That's I the thing that they did wrong. They, they haven't committed any crimes. And, and I'll say With this. Christ. That's, oh, my, that's, that's just, just, just to my point. And I'm, I'm going to wrap this conversation up and, and so we can move, because we have a lot of stuff to talk about. But I, I want to say this. No one has to agree. It is fine. I don't care. But I say I've lived as an individual for a very long time, you know, by, you know, doing everything how I saw it and, and, and not really worrying about what people saw or, or this, that, and the other. But as I've gotten older, I realized I do have a purpose. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes down to me doing just my little daily little words or whatever of encouragement, it's not only encouraging you or whoever, you know, I'm tagged or whoever agrees, but it's encouraging me as well. And I feel like at this point, being 34, being 35 at the end of the year, I feel like I have to have a purpose, and I, and I, I, want, my, um, I, I want my presence to be felt. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I want, and when I'm gone, whenever that happens, that I want people to say not just great things about me or whatever, but I just want my presence known and to feel like I've done some type of good in this world. And I feel like we have to all stop. Black, gay, white, gay, whatever, straight, we got to stop living as individuals. We have to somehow, some way, and I'm not saying anyone on this line is, but I'm saying as generally speaking, we have to start giving back. We have to stop talking about what we can do uh, or what we should do or this and the other. We just have to do it. However, it's how, however we may do it, we have to stop living as individuals and we have to find a way to move forward. And, and my, my question to you guys really quickly is how can we do better as a community? You know, we, we can say we didn't do this or we didn't do that, or we didn't, but how can we honestly do better for our community, for our fellow man, gay or straight? And I'll ask that to Davian since I haven't heard from him. I think the first thing we got to do. I think the first thing we got to do is care. I don't think a lot of people care 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's so easy to get caught up in what you have going on that you don't take any of that energy and put it towards anybody else or something that someone else is going through because you're so focused on yourself. Um, I know for me, I'm I'm not into politics and all that stuff like mm-hmm. that, but my heart does go out to to the young gay male because I know what it was like for me. Um, I think you also just have to say within yourself that I have an obligation to do more instead of just having the conversation. You have to feel obligated. If you don't feel obligated, then you won't put forth any effort to to go forward or help somebody else be better. I feel like we're able to help people be better and just not even to go backwards, but like with the whole crying thing, I don't think it's a pity party. It's who's grabbing you and say, come on, let's do better, let's be better. Now is a, a comfortable time for you to be you and still go further than where you are right now and not get caught up in just the 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 small things that we see. Because life is more than that. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. No. That was great. That was great conversation. I thank you guys for whoever's listening. Someone actually has a question. And I'm, I'm going to bring them in really quickly. I don't know if they have a question or comment, so. This is what I normally do because sometimes people will press that one and really not have anything to say. So the person whose uh, area code is 678 and last score is 5103, if you have a question or a comment, I'm about to open the lines up to you um, so you can speak to our guys or, or whatever. So if you don't, you might want to drop the line and call back. <laughs> so I'm going to bring you in right now. Again, this is area code 678, last four digits is 5103. All right, you are on the line with the Let's Track crew. <laughs> Can I have your name, where you're calling from, and your question or comment, please? Hey, my, uh, Micah and guys. This is actually Talia Castanine calling from Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, Talia. Um, <laughs> hey. I, I'm really enjoying the show, but I, I was listening to the comments regarding the gay families, and I wanted to um, not give a, com- a question, but I wanted to um, join in with that conversation. Now, gay parents are extremely important. I think that's one thing that we all can agree on. But I think also as gay parents that are influential gay parents that are taking on a lot of children, we also have to kind of look at it as if they were literally our children and our daughters and our sons and making sure that those children are using birth control. Because I think what the issue is right now with a young gay black man is these young gay children taking on little children. You know, I, I yeah. see it all the time in the pageantry world where a closet ball girl could come up and then all of a sudden somebody walks up to her and says, Mama, and I'm just looking at her like, girl, wait a minute, you ain't even hit puberty yet. Right. And I, I think that's another issue with a young gay black man is the fact that they're being led by young gay black men. Most definitely. And and I'll add to because I want to I want to say this during the conversation, but it, it um, missed my mind or whatever, but with the whole gay family, I remember there was a, there was a young lady, a, a, a transgender young lady um, who, I, who I've known for a long time, and she was on, and she was searching for gay kids. She was like, hit my inbox. I, I need a cute butch queen as a son. And, like, that just really did something. To me, it's like, okay, hold up. Like, that's not the era that I came from. You know, for gay families, for me and for Talia and Dante, the ones who, and, and I'm sure Kevin, who I know had them, like, honestly, 
it, it, it was an organic. It was organic. It happened naturally. You know what I'm saying? And then you have much respect when it when it happens naturally. When you're a mama or someone that wants to be a mother or father figure and you're just lurking on Facebook and you're trying to find kids to gather up, I think that's the, the, the wrong way to go, you know, because we don't know what your your motive is at that point. And it's and it's and for anyone that's hidden, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, and also, you have to understand that if I'm 21 and you're 18, what am I teaching you? What have I gone through? What have I experienced to be able to reach back and tell you what, what, what to do? See, that, that, that bothers me, the blind leading the blind. Because first of all, if I can't see where I'm going, how the hell am I going to tell you where you're going? That's true. That's that pisses true. me off. That burns me up. Oh, I hear it all the time, and I be asking. <laughs> right, right. I, I see it. I see it all the time, and I'm like, so what? What, what the fuck is he gonna teach you about anything? He don't even like he or she don't even know anything about life. Like I, I, I don't get it. Find you a role model. Find you someone who's a grown up who has went to college or went to school or 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 is a professional drag queen or entertainer or someone who's in their life who has an apartment, who has space, who has who has time, who's giving back, who is a role model not only to you but to the rest of the community or to people around them. Find somebody that you can learn something from because if you, if you can't pull anything from them, then what use are, you, are they to you and what use are, are, are you to them? It doesn't make right. any sense. Our relationships, our relationships ha- have to be mutually beneficial. We both have to learn something because, you know what, me as a gay parent, I learn a lot from my gay kids. I learn a whole lot. That's why I stay so young and dress the way as I dress. Because I learn a lot from my gay kids. But I also give give a lot to to my gay kids. My, I mean, if, if any of my gay kids are, will pop on the line and tell you in a second, that's father, like real father, as in they get cussed out. They get talked to you. What are you doing? Why are you not doing this? What is wrong with you? Why are you not thinking? You need to think through this. And, and I know every one of my gay children's mother and real mother and father. See, this, right. this is not a game. It's not right. something to do as a as a hobby or right. a pastime. I don't need no trophies. The only trophy I need, accolades I need, is in the form of degree. Yeah. Right. Most definitely, speak the word, speak the word, brother. Come on, Kevin, speak the word. <laughs> no, um, I know I definitely agree. I definitely agree. <laughs> Go ahead. You gonna say something else? Oh, no, I was saying. I, I, and with that, I pass around the offering plate. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think I thank you, Talia, so much for you know calling in and, and, and speaking on that because um, you're right. You know, we see a lot of it. So I just really, you know, would speak out to those that are wanting gay kids or wanting to be a mentor. You know, as Kevin said, you know, make sure that you got your your, your ducks in a row. You know what I'm saying? Because like I said, we can't have the blind leading the blind. But again, thank you so much, Talia. I appreciate you calling in and supporting. No problem. Thank you, Talia. <laughs> Got me all riled up. <laughs> okay, all riled up. So, so let's move on. I want to go to uh, Pride really quickly. Um, you know, I just personally, you know, real quick, just want to get uh, get you guys' viewpoints because I don't know, you know, if you guys attend Pride, or don't attend Pride, or, or attend when you feel like it or whatever, but um, do you guys think that black gay Pride we're on the black side, okay? Do you think that the black gay prides are promoting the wrong thing? Do you feel like there's any substance there? Um, or why do you feel people even go? Or why do you think people should shy away from gay prides if you think they should? So anyone can answer all of those questions or one part of it. It doesn't matter. Well, to me, um, 
gay, the, the, the difference between white gay pride and black gay pride is all about the amount of venues and the sexual activities and so forth and so on. They're focused. And, and mind you, for me, here in New York, you know, the largest celebration in the country happens here for gay pride. It happens for almost a two-week period. And it's, you know, it's, it's white people this, white people that. But these white people don't only, not only do they club, but they go to events. They go to the, they go to the pier and, and have vigils. They go to the transsexual education class. They go through, you know, sex education class. They, you know, they go with, you know, with all these different classes and workshops that they're having because and they make it worthwhile. But for us, we, we, if, if we do have workshops, and don't get me wrong, I used to be on the, uh, the, the Black Gay Pride uh, Committee, National Committee, and we used to travel to Pride and hold little conventions, and we'd have booths set up so and so on, and we may get 25 people to, in, to enter inside the hotel to go to the booths because they're all at the club, at the party, and so and so on because it's not a priority. And, and, and I think that's the fundamental problem with both of those things. And I'm not really a pride-goer, but I, I, don't, I went this year because of, because of Orlando. I felt like we needed to be visible. I felt like we needed Amen. to be seen more so than, than somebody who was just going out to have fun, party, get drunk, and have meaningless sex. I, I, I needed them to see that, thank you for standing with us. So because, and, and just because you're standing with us, we're going to make sure we're standing with us as well. Right. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, anyone else? David, Rashawn, John Pez, in regards to Black Pride, um, do we need them? Um, does it hold a negative connotation around it? Like, what do you feel about them? I feel like um, Black Rashawn. I'm sorry, y'all. This is John Pez. Um, okay. I do feel like there's a neg- negative negative connotation behind Black Gay Pride. Um, I'll just keep it real short. There is a negative connotation, but um, as an individual, it's up to you to what you do at those prides and to the events that you attend at those prides. Michael, through talking to you and telling me how much, um, how many things were available at Philly Pride, um, all these conferences, um, all these seminars that were available at Philly Pride, there were um, something, there was something going on, if I'm not mistaken, in D.C. as well, where there was like a conference also. And I haven't seen a lot of that, and I, it could be something I'm missing myself in Atlanta, but I have not seen a lot of that. And one, one reason I feel like is piggybacking on what Kevin said, um, it does depend on, you know, the black pride for some reason, and I think it just stems from, you know, us, you know our people. I think it stems from when it comes to black pride, it's all about the dollar amount some I feel like the promoters, it's all about who's going to pack out the clubs, who's going to make the most money that night, and what celebrities you can get in the building. I don't feel like we focus on the bigger issues sometimes. Um, For me, I've never been to a parade during a black pride, a so-called black pride, as to – um, as opposed to a regular, you know, all-around, everybody, all-inclusive pride. Um, I've always, when I, when I went to, I, I've only went to maybe two all-inclusive prides, and the vibe is so different. I went to Atlanta Pride last year, and just, just regular Atlanta Pride, not Black Atlanta Pride, because I'm always in Chicago. But I went to Black Atlanta Pride, um, just, I'm sorry, regular Atlanta Pride here, and the vibe is so different. They have seminars, they have testing sites, they have everything set up in the park, um, and then there's a parade. 
Um, then where I'm from, from Florida, there's a big parade down there as well in the Tampa, St. Petersburg area. It's huge. And once again, the vibe is so different. It's not so much. It's actually about the pride. It has nothing to do with, oh, the club is going to be packed tonight. Uh, yeah. Fantasia at this building. Monica and Brandy is at this building. It's never that. And, um, and, so and me, I just I, I just feel like go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I just want to interject really quick because I, I I want to have I want to hear everybody else's um, response. But I I want to say this so I, I don't forget it. But all that screams to me when we when we when you and Kevin kind of break down the oh the all inclusive prize or I just say you know Rick I I, I don't like to say white pageants or or, or white prize. I hate yeah, that people say that. So, right. so, so I, I I like that. But um what it screams to me. It's underground. It's the black. We we rather be in the club, right. hanging out at the day parties or whatever. The all inclusive prize is oh I'm out. I'm sure I'm proud of who I am. This and the other. And I think that's all about goes, the pride. Right. Yeah. It, I think it all goes back on the black side. I could be wrong. It all goes back to we're still not okay with showing who we are in the public, but we are okay right. with being in the club. And you know, at our at our little festivities and having a good time. But oh, we dare not want to go to a parade. Oh, and and oh, they too gay. Oh, that's yeah, too much. That's too much. Right. That's too much. You know what I'm saying? That's too, that's that, too gay. Yeah, but, that's but too it, gay. It, Ooh, it, oh, oh, gay. You want me in the street showing all that? Right. Showing that I'm proud to be gay? Oh no, no, I'm not right. doing that. That's how a lot of us feel. It's it's the truth. I'm sorry, right. but it's the truth. So I just wanted to, you know, break that down. The underground versus, hey, carefree or whatever. Uh, Davey and Rashawn, what, what do you guys have about, you know, I, I, I'm really interested to hear what you guys get, have to say about Pride. I don't think you really go to Pride like that. So right. I, I, I don't go to Pride. Okay. I've um, only I, been to maybe. Rashawn, I don't go. Hold on, hold on, Rashawn. Go ahead, Davian. I think I've only been to maybe three. I went okay. to my first Pride that I ever attended was here in Atlanta, and it, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see anything about Pride. I thought it was just an organized weekend to go party and hang out. Um, right. When I, and then I went to Pride in Miami. In Miami, now I had a blast in Miami, but I didn't, I didn't get a sense of Pride. I always, for me, because I'm an artist, so I always felt like that was our opportunity to showcase our talent, to showcase the gay actor or the gay singer but instead of bringing mm-hmm. us in they bring in brandy and like they said monica or somebody they're mm-hmm. not gay so like how why why are we celebrating with them not to say that that's a bad idea because you know they say they love us and 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 we support them so that's all good but if you have an upcoming rapper or upcoming R&B singer that's gay or lesbian or whatever they may choose, why aren't we celebrating them if this is our moment for pride? So right. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. That's why I say the, the, the responsibility and the mindset has changed. And the person who's probably promoting pride is probably not even gay. So that's a whole other story right there. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I would I would like to see more, um, and if Rachel, I'm coming right to you, I would like to see more of, the, the the gay artists um, as far as entertainers uh, or that identify within that LGBTQ, you know, um, I would want to see more of them. I would want to see, you know, like the Neil Patrick Harris. I'm sure he's been in New York, New York or San Francisco or something, you know, as big as that. But I want to see more of them. I want to see more people that are doing great things, whether they're philanthropy, entrepreneurs, whether they're out there on TV or whatever. I want to see more of them be the ones that 
you know, our dollars are going to versus a Monica, Brandy, whoever, even Beyonce. I'm sorry. You know, uh, I, I, I don't know how many Beyonce fans I got on here, but I feel like, you know, she could be milking us too. But I, I, I just want to see more of us celebrate. I want to see, I want to see more of us celebrate, um, you know, our people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just want to yeah. that. So, Rashawn, go ahead. What do you have to say? Um, um, for me, um, I've been to the Houston one a couple of times, and unfortunately, I, I always feel like I have to go to the one in Dallas because it's always my birthday weekend, okay. um, and that's where I'm from. Uh, so if I want to see any, I mean, if I want anybody to party with me, I end up always having to go to Dallas Pride. But, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. For me, my first one, my first one though was uh, here in Houston, and I was very, I was disappointed for. Um, those reasons because, I mean, I was anticipating learning something, knowing something other than what I knew, but I felt like I walked into a bigger club because that's all we did. By the time we got there Friday night, you don't want to do nothing because you're tired, so all you do is take a nap, you go out. So by the time you wake up at 2 Saturday, only time you have to do is you make Mm -hmm. it to the day party by 7. You make it to the day party by 7, and then – by that time, everybody leaving, so then y'all go home, stop by Burger King, get something, grab you something to eat, go take a nap, you go to the club Saturday night, and depending on the type of weekend, Sunday, you about to get ready to go back home. So, I mean, uh-huh. bam, they go gay black ride. Yeah. So, yeah, and, 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 I mean, <laughs> in, a, in a nutshell, he's there right. you go. He's and, right. Yeah. yeah. And for um, me, I was like, I could... Remember, I could stay in Dallas because I see all these people on Facebook. Like, I mean, and they're going to come eventually, so I mean, it's that that that's me, but I don't really go out anymore, so I, it doesn't matter what happens. This this is what well, I see, that was pride for me was. I would say that was pride for me was the Gremlin TV game, because I'm from Dallas, so like the that, the Gremlin TV game is what made it was you know you, you were in college, you know you come home for gay pride, so you also get to do both of the straight world and the gay world, so you don't really get all the events and all the kind of characters, but you're still being straight back then. So yeah, that's the the difference for me. After after and I, did that. I did that. After um, I've been going. I went to like I like I told you guys. I didn't go to the Pride for a long time. I think a span of seven years maybe. I didn't go to anybody's Pride, but then I came and I went to uh, I went to somebody um, talked me into going Splash. So I went to Splash miserable time 2012, and then right two weeks after that I went to my first <laughs> DC Pride. I went to my first DC Pride two years after, I mean, two weeks, literally two weeks after Splash. And I was hooked. Uh-huh. I was hooked on the fact that it was a lot of, you know, grown and sexy. People were having a good time. It wasn't about fighting. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot of little bunnies and young queens. So, I, so that, you know, uh-huh. sparked my interest. So for five years, I went, this is, this is my fifth year, um, I went to DC Pride. And I would, you know, Dante's going to tell you, I would, you know, get people and recruit people to come. No, you should come on up. Have a good time, and you'll definitely enjoy it. I don't know what Miami's giving, but baby, I'm not ever gonna go down there. So that's what I was, you know, giving. But I made a made a post um, saying that this was my last DC Pride. You know, it may not be, but for it's, it's going to be for a while because I, I for a while because I feel like my time is not wasted. You know, and I told my my friends, and a group of us was up, and we shared, we had like the the connection room, so it was really fun. You know, it was the best DC Pride I ever had. But what I told them is that we got to, we are all friends. We come from different walks of life, different 
areas uh, of the uh, of the United States or whatever. So can't we just come together and do our own little vacation time and hang out and have a good time and go to whatever little bars and lounges that, that we want to do and shop and sightsee? Can't, can't we do all of that another time and not let it designate for gay pride? Because I, I just can't get with it anymore. Right. I feel like it's just a waste of my time. It's a waste of our time. And all of us are getting older, you know, especially when we're not, we don't have, things that are, are teaching us. We don't, we don't have those teachable moments. We're not walking away learning something new. We're not, we're just not. There's no incentive. There's nothing. So for me, I said I couldn't do it anymore. And to top it off, and I'm going to go into um, problems with dating, so I want to speak on that for a little bit um, and see, see what you guys have to say about that. But what I really couldn't stand is the division. There was so much division. There was one party promoter, and I don't care if I have, I'm not going to blast their name, but I, but I tagged them in my post. And one answer and the other did. You know, but, but my thing, my issue was, I'm, if people know anything about me, I'm fair servant, I'm going to listen and all that type of stuff. So if you say this year, let's say 2015 is a setting, hey, this is going to be the end of my uh, promoting and, and being the head of D.C. Black Pride, and I'm going to step back. But I'm going to continue to support these guys because I've been with them for so long. I've headed it for 20 years, whatever. And, all right. and I'm saying, oh, damn, I'm living in D.C. at this point now. So I'm like, oh, dang. He, I said, but, you know, I'm sure he'd be around this and other. So then, of course, I get my pass again for this same group. Find out he's no longer a part, but I'm still feeling like he's going to support because I'm still listening and remembering the words that he said Sunday on the stage at the day party. Come to find out, two weeks, two months before the, the pride is underway, and we've already got our passes. Oh, do you know that such and such has passes too? Are you going to get his passes too? No, the hell I'm not, because I don't know nothing about that. And so what happened was, as we came to pride, I have friends from all over. You know, a lot of that, a lot of them I didn't even know was coming for pride. Saw them in passing, but when it came down to those day parties and those night parties. I didn't see them, and some of them I didn't get to see at all. And then I didn't get to know—I didn't really know they were at Pride until I saw Facebook pages on Tuesday and Wednesday with pictures. I'm like, hold up, you was at Pride? Yeah, I was at such and such party. Oh, I was at such and such party. And so I felt like if we're going to come together as Black men and we're going to celebrate our gayness or whatever the case may be, can we be on a united front? Why is there now division? You know what I'm saying? Like I felt like DC was really, really on the. Going to start to be the cream of the crop when it came down to prize again. They, they, the, Miami, the people stopped going to Miami like that, and DC got the crowd back. But now I'm like, okay, now we have all the division. So for me, it's like I don't even want to attend something that has so much division and hate and people reading each other behind the scenes. It's just, it's just, I'm over that. I'm over that. Michael, do you feel like it's not needed anymore? Michael? Do I feel like it's not needed anymore? Um, I, I, it's needed. But not not in the way that it's that it's been going. If it's just all about clubbing and partying or whatever, no, it's not. No, it's not. But you see, know, because I, I feel like. But see, thing, though. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Cause I I, I, want, I didn't want to cut you off. But I, I just, oh no no go ahead. Me. Oh. Oh. So for me, my first pride was in 1994. I went. To Houston Splash, and it was the very first time that I actually got to see, be around, 
and communicate, talk to, dance with someone who was just like me. Now, keep in mind, yes, there are, there are educational purposes and there are other things, but someone who is 18 years old and who has not been gay their entire life and has no idea that someone else feels the same way or sees it the same way and they feel alone and they feel like they're by themselves, to be in a place in a time where there is a million of us moving around and we're free and we're happy and we're all shapes, forms, and sizes, it's euphoric. It's glorious. It allows you to feel more like you. And no, I understand that, yes, pride for us older people, yes, is nowhere near where it needs to be. But I still think that it's a positive outlet for individuals to be around individuals who are just like them. And well, yes, I was we saying, do need to streamline. Yes, we do need to. If that's the case, they can go to Atlanta and party any weekend. They can go to New York and go to the ACLs okay. and all of that. You know, because, because what, what you just said, but, I understand, but that's time but you don't have access to that at 18. Well, it depends on where you go because the kids are, baby, the kids are still getting in the club, whether they, however they want to get in it. They still get in the club, still letting them in the club. Okay, so, so well, yeah, I think Yeah, because, I mean, the, the youngest person killed in Orlando. Yeah. I, yeah the youngest person killed in Orlando was 18. And, and, yeah, but, and Atlanta, 18, they allow yeah. it. Post allows 18, 18 to get in, right? 18, and then if you're 21, you get like a little band or something. Is that right? Is that how it goes down to this? I know you went to post before. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's how I went. So, you know, Atlanta yeah, because got that long time ago. Like that too. Yeah. So, it's like yeah, that. So, yeah, baby, so, so you want to if we're going, if we're going to, um, if we're going to keep them, then there needs to be a shift, and they need to have these meetings and figure out what can we do better for our prize. Because for me to have gone to Philly Pride and experienced that and felt like, wow, is this what the hell I've been missing this whole time? And I even thought about having my right. having a live taping of my show there at you know at Philly Pride and at DC Pride. But I'm just like, well, damn, are people going to go? That sort of thing. So I'm not saying I'm not going to say stop it, but we got to do better. We just going to have to do better if we're going to continue to have them because eventually they'll become defunct. People just say, "Girl, the hell with it. I'll, I'll go to Cancun and I'll just do something else better with my money but, if I'm going to go down into confusion." Yeah, I mean, but we have all these CBOs. These community health organizations, these national GMAC, national, uh, the NIH, all these people are contributing hundreds and thousands of dollars to go to all of these different prizes. There is a coalition of black gay prizes, a coalition of gay prizes that, uh, that meet at least three times a year, and they plan out what's going to happen. See, what, they, what, these, what these pride committees have to do is make sure that the promoters are promoting the events that are actually happening that are outside of the – outside of, you know, right. the party. Because, again, they're not getting their 501c3 funding unless right. there are people or butts inside those seats at those seminars. So what? what's the point? The reason why prides are getting lower and lower and then they're, try- they're having to market the other way around is because we're not getting anybody into the conventions because they're not marketing it, and then they're, they're giving less and less money every year. Well, Kevin, send me the information. I would love to sit in on these. Um, I, I, mean, I, would love to, I don't mind being a part <laughs> and helping. No, I'm serious. I don't mind being a part in helping and, and for me to have experienced so many prides and the 
type of person that I am. I am very observant and, you know, kind of trying to find new ways and new things that we can, you know, that we can do things and, and better help our community. I'm down for it. I want to be involved. Or I at least want to be able to lend my voice and say, hey, this is what you're doing right, this is what you're doing wrong, and here's the evidence to prove it, and let's move forward. So with that said, the little bit of time that we do have, I, I want to, and I'm serious, Kevin, I do want to know more about it, so <laughs> me the information and all of that. But I, I want to know, because we have okay. a lot, but we never, ever, ever on these shows, we never get down to all, everything, which is great because we, we have great dialogue. But um, problems with dating, you know, um, what do you think is the problem, um, either personally or from a general perspective, what do you think is the problem with dating within the black gay community from your honest perspective? What is the problem? Because there's a problem. So personally, what do you one think word. is the problem? Yeah, okay, yeah, one word. One you word. One word. One word, Davian. Expectations. <laughs> Who said expectations? expectations? Oh, Kevin said expectations? Kevin. Okay. Amen. Okay. Okay, we got Kevin with expectations. Um, Dantez, what do you say? Oh, one word. <laughs> now, if you don't have one word, one word. Five. Yeah, I'll try to. I'll try to. I'll try to keep it five words or less. Um, I agree on expectations, so I guess I'll use that as one. Um, we expect what sometimes we don't have. Um. Mm-hmm. We're living in Atlanta. I've gotten, uh, I will say, variety. If that makes any sense, um, is it? There's just, yeah. <laughs> well, what I mean by that, what, there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of queens here. There's a lot of there's a lot of boys, gay boys here, whatever you want to call them, and. They don't want to settle down for just one. And I won't just say Atlanta because I know Atlanta gets a badass rap, but I don't want to just say Atlanta. New York but too, baby. There's some, there's, some truth to, there's some truth to it. Three, yeah. <laughs> three uh, I guess it ties into variety, is uh, being faithful. I, there's something about gay men, and I'm, you know, I'm not entirely – um, not guilty of it myself in the past, I should say, but they don't want to be faithful. Okay. They don't want to be faithful. Uh, it's just, just that's just it. They don't want to be faithful, and I don't know. Um, and then um, I want, I'll just tie it up. One thing also is uh, I refer to a, um, I know it's ghetto, but I refer to a K. Michelle song. Um, you can't raise a man, and I felt like I've had to do that. Um, and mm. you on numerous occasions um, uh. with <laughs> certain people I've been with. Um, you, you just can't, you know, you, you can't raise a grown-ass man. And I've had to do that. And it doesn't, and some people think it has a lot to do with age. It's not, it, it's not even just about age. It's not even just about age. It has to do with the mentality of that person that you're dating. So those are four for me. Okay. So I got Kevin, I got Dantes. Um, Rashawn, what do you, what do you say? Um, I don't know if I can do it in like one word or five. Oh no, you don't have to. <laughs> okay. Um, the, because the gay black man don't know who they are, that you, you they can't be with somebody else. Mm. Right. So that is the real issue. I mean, a lot of us are dealing with, you know, personal issues from growing up, or you dealing with it, what whatever, and you can't, you can't. 
add problems to problems. You know what I'm saying? That you know, that, that just makes that just make chaos. You know what I'm saying? And especially if you can't solve your own problems, how do you expect to solve somebody else's? If you can't figure out your own loads, how do you expect to come into somebody else's whole life and do anything to it? Uh, you, you ain't doing nothing but adding to theirs and, and adding to yours. I mean, so for me, what I've had to learn is I've had to I've had to figure out who Sean was, be comfortable with me, get myself all the way right, and then you know when I know that I'm good, then I can I can introduce myself to say that I want to take on someone else. And because I mean that's serious. If you're talking about being in a relationship now, if you just want to date or you just want to have or whatever whatever you want to whatever verb you want to give it or whatever, then that's something different. But if you're talking about an actual, you want to be in an actual relationship, you need to know who you are first so that that way you can love yourself and who, you, who you're who you dating can love you as well. If you ain't all the way right, I mean, how do you expect them to, to really love you because you're giving them 15 different people? Okay. You're not okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, homie, oh, I was done. And keep in mind, I said I said expectations, but after you finish your round, come back to me. Okay. <laughs> so I, look, so I'll come back to you after I say my piece. Go ahead, David. <laughs> 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 what, what, what do you think are the problems with dating within the black gay community from your perspective? Well, I can only speak for my life, and I am the problem in my life. Mm-hmm. Um I know what I want, but I know now is not the time. But I'll meet people, and an issue that I run into with people is they meet you and they automatically think that, oh, my God, you're the one. Where have you been? I've been looking for you. And it's like, no, I'm not the one. I don't even know you, and you don't know me. And if I were to unload some of this shit that I deal with on a daily basis, you probably would run away. So, no, don't tell me that I'm the one because you don't know what I'm up against. Um I guess they want too much too soon, and I'm not opposed to taking my time and making sure I know the person that I'm dating, but I'm also upfront in the sense of saying that I'm not available, but some people don't understand that. You know, they, oh, you don't want to let a good person get away. Well, you know, there's more than one good person in the world, so if you were to happen to get away, I just like to think that there's another one that I'd come across a little bit later, just not right now. So the problem is me. Okay. okay. Thank you for being honest. <laughs> um, I love it. I, 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 really I love it. it. I like that. Um, you know, I put, posted something on Facebook, and I said, you know, um, it's really sad when people just rather have sex than really get to know a person. Um, court, date, dating exclusively, you know, evolve into relationship status, all of that. Um, that's what I've always, as a person, been used to. Um, and everything can't be quick and easy. Where's the challenge? It's like people want things easy. People don't want a challenge. And I go back to, and I can keep continuing to say it, is um, expectation conversation. That's something that I thought of and that I hold near and dear. And I've been talking about that for the last year, actually. Because I think around this time I had a candid conversation show. And I was like, I don't think that when we sit down and we're getting to know a person that we don't, and especially when we're moving in or we are, we are evolving into more of a committed relationship or dating exclusively, that we don't sit down and we have these 
these heart-to-heart and these real honest conversations with the people that we're trying to get to know, or not trying to get to know, but the people that we're saying, oh, I think this may be the person that I want to settle down with, or I want to go ahead and cuff, or that be my man, or whatever the case may be, or woman, you know, whoever's listening. I'm not discriminating, but um, I feel like we need to have more of that. We need to have more expectation conversations versus going with the flow a lot of the time. And I can say in my last relationship, I did that, like, knowing that I'm kind of a person that I want to put things out in the front tree. I want to see what you expect, what you what you expect of me, what you expect of the relationship in the event that we make it that far. And I want to know what you expect from me and what do you expect from the relationship. I want to know your pet peeves. I want to know a lot of different things so I can process that. So, therefore, when we get into these arguments or semi-arguments or we get into something happens, I can kind of reflect back on saying, well, I remember he said, you know, so I kind of understand where that comes from. Or when a situation happens, I know how to deal with it versus just really going with the flow all the time and always, you know, hitting these hills and valleys and lakes and mountains and all that type of stuff. And it always creates, you know, arguments, you know, and I think that that's what uh, nowadays what's happening with people. We're not sitting down and we're not having honest conversation. We like what they do for a living. We like the car they drive. Oh, they, they're pretty decent, pretty decent home. Their friends are okay, you know, but their friends really don't matter. It's all about me and them or whatever. But we're so hyped and up into the fact that, oh, I'm in a relationship and, oh, it's on social media and, oh, everybody's just living for us that we forget to really hone in on the relationship and what we expect and all of that sort of thing. And, you know, some people, someone disagreed with me on, like, last year. I won't bring their name up, but they're from Texas. But they felt like, oh no, we don't, you know, we don't need to have, we, we don't need to have that conversation. Uh, we don't need to dig that deep. We just need to go with the flow, or whatever. But yeah, aren't you still single? You know, that that was my thing. Like, you could have avoided a, a shit a shitload of problems had you not just had the conversation. And again, this is nothing that I don't know. I, it happened. That's why I'm single now. You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't take a deep dive into this person's life into what they were going through and not figuring out why I was number seven in the last two years. You see what I'm saying? So had I had I taken a deep dive, I probably would have dodged a big-ass bullet. But in the end, it was a learning experience for me. You know what I'm saying? So I think that we need to have more of those conversations, even if it doesn't evolve into a relationship, just be more prone to kind of like, let's really date, let's really talk, let's go out and, you know, and not just be text and phone and social media sort of thing. Um, but that was my And little. I think it's important, too, right. when you ask these questions, when you're mm-hmm. setting up what you guys are getting involved in, make sure you get an answer. Don't yeah. date somebody who can't answer your questions. If you can't tell Either me about not. you, then how the hell am I supposed to figure it out? Hello? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you guys listening out there? I see you on the <laughs> I see you uh, calling, calling in. I, I hope you guys listen. But go ahead, um, uh, Kevin. What do you want to say? All right, so, you know, I, I, I said the expectation. That's what I said at first. So I think that, first of all, the reason, you know, mm-hmm. you, you hit the nail on the head. And so um, you pretty much know that that's what I do. Relationship counseling is just that's my corner of the world. So that's what mm-hmm. I love to do. So when it comes to the, the uh, relationship, the I expect is the best thing that you could possibly have because if you don't have these conversations about what I expect, and what you expect, and we don't mutually come into understanding of what our mutually expectations are, then we have a recipe for failure. We're going to fail because we have no idea what the other person wants first. Secondly, a relationship doesn't work with anybody else because, first of all, you haven't developed a relationship with yourself first. 
Mm-hmm. So, first of all, if you understand you, you understand what you want, you understand what you're willing to accept, you understand those things that, that work for you and those things that don't work for you, and those are the learning experiences that happen through trial and error. But mm-hmm. until you know those different things, then the ideal relationship will always elude you because you literally have no idea exactly what it is that you want. Two, I mean, third, and mo- third you, we have to police our perceptions. So all of us have, you know, just like we talk about, you know, uh, and it's a big thing in the media now about white people putting on blackface, about them wearing the cornrows and so forth and so on. We have to police our perceptions. Our perceptions is this. All of us want this, you know, this cookie cutter. Um, he needs to be six three five uh, five five with brown eyes with thick thighs, but a, a, a butterball booty and an and, and 11-inch shoe. You have no idea exactly who the person is that is supposed to be designed for you. So if you, if you stop setting these high standards for yourself, then these people will stop letting you down. Once you start to actually see the person, then you can actually fall in love with the person and then accept them for who they are. Because obviously all of us are flying first class, and most of us have about four or five bags. <laughs> okay. So here's 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 the thing, and, and here's well, the thing, baby. I don't want to carry, carry on. Carry... <laughs> no. Well, baby, yeah. here's the thing. Yeah. I don't want to carry your luggage and mine. So yeah, we both got to right. get luggage that go together. That's right. So we we we, we got to get we got to get two bags that go together, and everything yeah, has to be baggage. able to fit in these two bags. Okay, anything more than that, it's not my responsibility. It's not my problem. A lot of people carry over this from the last relationship or the one Baby. before that or the one before that or the one before that. Yes, they First do. of all, what he did, what he did, what she did, what he said, what they said, what they did has nothing to do with me. Treat me as if I'm a brand new person off of the street. Treat me like I'm a brand new pack of Donna Karen T-shirts that you just opened. I'm Chris White. You ain't never worn me and you ain't never seen me. You just purchased me. So act like I'm brand new. And if you do that, then you literally will go into the situation better. What I'm gonna say is, hold on. Let me. I'm I'm gonna let you get to that that last point. But before you come in there, Chris White and all of that, how about (laughs) your damn issue, okay? Because as you said, I I spoke about it before. Coming in from one relationship, going into another, and I told this to the person that's from Texas, who's my brother, who I I love him to death. But I I told him this last year. You know, you're going from. Piddle the post from, from person to person. And like you said, you got all these fucking issues. But here's my thing. Are you doing a self-evaluation? Are you, because I know even me, even though I hmm. wasn't the brunt of the reason, it's the reason, it's the reason why I'm no longer, you know, in, in marriage or with someone, I still left that relationship saying, what did I do wrong? What can I do better? And what am I going to do uh, going into the next relationship? How can I be a better me before I can even involve somebody else? And I feel like people are not just taking the time out to um, do a little inventory on themselves. You know what I'm saying? But what happens exactly. is this new relationship and all these fucking issues from, like you said, Tom, Dick, Harry, whatever, has come up. Like, no, I don't want your Chris White. I don't want your dirty, dingy. I don't want none of that. What I want you to do is fix you before you come to me because I am not skilled in psychology. I'm not a therapist. I'm not none of those things. And while I give great advice to my friends and I take the same advice I give them, I take that on as well, I'm not going to spend the first six months to a year of our relationship counseling you. I can't do it. I won't do it. How about let's just part ways? I'm just not going to do it. I don't have the patience no more. Exactly. So I, I need people exactly. to self-evaluate and, you know, do some inventory yourself. But go ahead to your other point. I'm sorry. 
had to preach a little. Well, yeah, because <laughs> it's it, right. No, you're right because in, in order for us to, uh, in order for us to move, in order for us to, uh, and, and, and in order for us to move on, we have to accept certain things. We have to, okay, and here's the things that we have to accept. First of all, in a relationship, when things go wrong, you have to accept your culpability in the situation. Because you know what, a person cheats. Yeah, they do. Now, you know, there there are there is an Achilles heel. You know, you do have these habitual cheaters, and that's just who they are. But nine times out of ten, you contributed something or didn't contribute something that caused them to look somewhere else to find it. So you have to do a self-check, a self-evaluation. What did I do to cause it? It might only be like 1% of, of, of whatever you caused to cause the relationship to break or them to do whatever it was that, they did, that they did. But once you understand that, then you know how to operate. You know how, how, what, what, what you're willing to accept, what you're willing to deal with, how you are with other individuals and from, what, and from them, what, what do you accept, what, what have you learned about you and how you respond to certain situations in this relationship, and you take all that stuff together so that you can move over, you move on. And then, then again, the, the bottom line is this. The only question that you have to – this is the last point. The only question that you have to ask is this. What in the hell do I really – Yeah. that's it. Once you figure out what you really want, then those people who you don't really want automatically fall out of view. Then you start kind of delineating through those individuals that who you are want. You find the good, the oh, bad, yeah. the ugly, and the indifferent, and then and 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 then you 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 you're narrowing it down. You're getting it down to one or two or three or whatever, and then you finally clue it on that one person that's exactly designed for you. But if you have no idea what the hell you're looking for or what you want, then what are you doing? You're pretty much throwing a dart at a board that's probably 25 miles away, hoping you're gonna hit it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know that's my minute. Oh, hey, this was wrong. Go ahead. I, I, I agree. I would agree with everything you just said until you got to them bags. And um, the only reason why the, the, the bag stuck out to me is because you stated that she was only taking two bags, right? Did I hear that correctly? I want to make sure my yeah. point is better. Okay. Instantly when you said that, I was like, that's incorrect. I, we're taking four because each person is an individual. So you get your two bags, I get my two bags. And I just felt like, and the reason that that stood out to me is because I was having a conversation with someone, and I said that I think that a part of a lot of uh, issues with people in relationships is they forget about themselves in the relationship, and they, they focus on that two becomes one, and they think so much about the relationship that they forget about themselves. So I was like, you're not going to take my two bags away from me. I'm going to keep my two bags, and if one of them fall off the train, I would hope that you would help me put it back on there just in case it falls off like I'm going to do yours, but we're going to take four bags. Like or how, or how, how about this? In one little point. <laughs> how about this? We, you take your two bags, right? I got my two bags, right? When we get to the destination or on the way, we figure out, okay, I don't need this. Do you need this? I don't think we need this. Let's test, let's talk that out. Exactly. Exactly. Destination, when we get to that final destination, we should be on one accord. We should know exactly where we are, okay. where we're going, that type of thing. Because I, you're not going to keep carrying them same fucking bags, and I'm not going to keep carrying my same damn bags. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, we are living okay. now as individuals. We're, we're individuals with our damn thing. Oh, oh, guess no. what? But, Go ahead. But 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 you're right. But 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 my whole thing is just don't uh-huh. just don't think that other other shit ain't gonna come up though. I mean, as, oh, yeah. as life goes on, I mean, other problems are gonna arise. No, yeah. Not to say that those those bags are baggage, but as I stated, for me, I'm going into a relationship as as complete. I'm good. 
this I'm bringing to you with what I have. This is this is me. So here are my two. This is what I got. Here's my two bags. These are your two bags. So this is what we're bringing. So this is what we have when we say that we started this relationship. So it, it's it, it's whatever's in the past. We we've already left that at home because we, we're we're leaving. So we only got two bags. So this is all I got. This is this is me right here. So but I'm see that's the perfect part though. But see that's the perfect part though. See the per the perfect part is as long as you're telling me what this baggage is and, and, right. and I agree to carry yeah. baggage the with me, <laughs> then we're good. But what but what's happening yes, here, so. you are sneaking through the airport and you told me you only got one bag and one carry on <laughs> and, and by the time we land, you got two or three more bags here to somewhere oh, wow. else that, that I ain't know nothing about via UPS. Hell no, nothing about no idea. Yeah. I had I'm no idea when the other shoe over. dropped. <laughs> right, and, and say, they're not the problem, because the problem is, most of the time, most of us are waiting for the other shoe to drop. And yeah. now I try to see, y'all give us a shoe that's going to drop. Yeah. And you're very right. I'm just really, yeah. uh, I'm just agreeing more. If you know me, I'm very, really upfront with it. If you know me, I'm going to, it don't matter how it come out, I'm going to tell you, you know, what it is, which is why I really don't deal with about people. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't really sugarcoat anything. So, I mean, mm-hmm. so, so, so let me but ask I mean, you guys, far... I have two points that I want, uh, two questions I want to ask. One kind of goes, I think Rashawn said something. I don't know what he said, but I just know that when he was talking, I wrote it down. I know that's bad of me as a host. But anyway, I wrote something down as he was talking. <laughs> and, and, and this is earlier. Um, but the number one thing is, how do you handle a cheater, or do you handle them at all? Could have oh, been Kevin talking. So, so how do you handle a cheater, and how do you handle a cheater, or do you handle them at all? And I'll tell you, I don't handle them at all. So the next person, whoever wants to, I'm going to give you no, no long drawn out. I don't handle them. But see, this is Kevin. So Kevin, Kevin sees it like this. We have to understand that there are mitigators. Yes. <laughs> I know. It was, I don't. I don't. I don't. But anyway, uh-uh. we have to understand that first of all, there are always mitigating circumstances as to why something happened, and then also you have to figure out what your contribution was to why it happened. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not excusing what happened. I'm not excusing what you did. I'm not excusing the lies. I'm not excusing the cheating or the infidelity. But I have to figure out what my culpability is in this whole entire situation before I make a, a decision. Like my, my favorite line to tell my kids, and they'll, tell, and they'll recite it to you. You have to give me all the available information so I can make the best informed decision about what I want to do. It, when, yeah, if you yeah. cheated, did you come, did you come tell me? Or, 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 or did I find out through somebody else? So are, 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 are you guilty because you got caught, or are you guilty because you feel bad behind it? Was it with somebody I knew, or was it just a random happenstance? How long have we been together? How many times has it happened? How serious are you are about this individual, you know, and, and, and how far along in our relationship are, are we are? So there are mitigating factors and circumstances that make you reevaluate certain situations. Is it worth it at the end of the day? Is this person somebody that I know that I'm destined to be with for the rest of my life and they just made a mistake? Or is it just somebody that I'm with for right now and they're just occupying space and right now this space can go to someone else? So you have to figure out where you're at in your life and in, 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 in your travel and your path to be able to either deal with or not deal with that circumstance. That's well, my opinion. thing is this. When you get in a relationship, I think by this age, none of us are just now experiencing our first relationship. You know cheating mm-hmm. is wrong. 
if you cheated on the last three people, by the time you get to me, you need to be done with that. Otherwise, you got a problem, and you need to go handle that on your own time. That's right. I don't deal with it. Okay. Only because you know I'm right from you wrong, right. I feel like you can't keep justifying the same action. At what That's point right. are you going to say, okay, I know I can't do this. Like, no, get out of here with that. I don't want to hear no information. I don't care who you did it with. I don't want you to explain anything to me. I want you to get your stuff together, but you go do that over there to the left because we're good. And if you are the type of person that when you are in relationships, because I have been in this, not, you know, nobody would know who, who this ex is because it was so many years ago, 2001. But I, my, my observation, even at 21 years of it, I think I was 20, 21, yeah, around that age or whatever, like I realized that he may have loved me and had great love for me, but he was such a, he had a, a bad sexual deviant spirit on him. Like he, he was just, he just liked having sex with multiple people, you know. So it wasn't nothing that I was, I knew it wasn't anything that I was doing wrong because I was going to school, going to work, coming home and, and trying to be the best boyfriend that, that I could at 20, 21 years old of what I knew what a boyfriend should be or could be, you know. So I realized, oh, it's not even about me. You know, it's really about what you're dealing with because you got a whole, after, even after relationship, I figured out, you got a whole lot of stuff because when you try to incorporate incorporate your ex into a threesome, like, no, like, I realized that, okay, yeah, you got some issues you got to deal with. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I, and I can't do it, deal with that. But I say all that to say sometimes I wish that people were just upfront and honest because sometimes it's not about um, little dark secrets and stuff like that. It's just about they just like having sex with multiple partners. So you may just end up, if you be honest with yourself, not saying it be me, but if you just be honest with yourself, you may get that person that's right. like, okay, I'm, I'm into it every now and again. Because there are couples out there, as we know, that do stuff like that. You know, and, and, and we sit around mm-hmm. and say, and I used to say too, how in the hell do that work? How in the hell do you, y'all have an open relationship or whatever? <laughs> I don't understand that. We've all been there. But let them people do them people. Your business is your business, not mine. As long as it works for you, I'm happy. I ain't got shit to say about it. You know, but I but that's an example of they're just coming in, being upfront about it. Hey, you know, you be the bottom, you be the top sometimes or whatever. But every now and again I may want to flip and I want to flip for the next man or whatever. And and that's okay. But I just wish that people would just be more honest with, you know, who they are. The cheating thing can't happen for me because the reason why I said I couldn't deal with it. It's because I know that no, I'm not perfect, but I'm the type of person where I try to set myself up for success in everything, relationship, friendship, and career. And so with doing all of that, I'm trying to make sure that whatever I see that there's a lacking, because trust me, I will see it before you will see it. So if wherever there's a lacking, I'm coming to you and say, babe, you know, I think, you know, we haven't really been talking a lot or we kind of, you know, flying off the radar a little bit. You know, what's going on? Let's talk about it, whatever. And I'm trying to make you know, the initiative to uh, fix whatever the issue or whatever I foresee the issue to be, you know, before it gets out of whack or whatever. If I'm doing all of that and you still continue to cheat on me, knowing that I'm trying to make it happen and you're not being forthcoming or forthright or being honest about what it is that's bugging the shit out of you, then no, I, you cheat on me, I can't handle you no more because I've given you all of the necessary tools, I give you the necessary space, I give you the necessary opportunity to just be honest with my ass, whatever the fuck it is. And if we don't work, we don't work. But don't sit here and lie, and then you go out, and you want to be shacked up with me in the house, but then when you go out to the club or you go wherever, you fucking somebody else. No, it's time out for that, so I cannot deal with the cheater, and I won't deal with it. Yeah, because I, because I, because I, because I, I, I just know who, how I am, you know, when it, when it comes to relationships. 
Ooh. I thought that. <laughs> you, you okay? I'm okay. <laughs> okay, the folk was in they they was in their feelings just now, baby. Yeah. Ooh. You okay? But no, I I, mean, I, I totally I'm, agree. I'm sending it's you a virtual hug. Well, no, I don't okay. need a hug. I, I don't need a hug because I haven't been cheated on like that. Because I don't, I don't go from boy to boy to boy, and every other year I got a new boyfriend. So no, I don't need a hug. But I just know for me, why the reason why I can't handle a cheater, you know, and I won't handle a cheater is because I know that I'm trying to get my very best self and my very, you know, my very best self in relationship. So if you can't deal with that and you being a liar, then go ahead and be single and 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 have all the boys in, in the world. Right. And I'm cool with that. That's that's kinda where I'm at as well. That's kinda where I'm at as well. It's not that um I I mean, I've been cheated on um in numerous relationships. I've been cheated on cheated on in numerous relationships and it's gotten to the point where now I just won't um you know, I'm getting older now, so it's gotten to the point where now there's just some stuff I won't tolerate. And I used to think it was a type. I've dated all types of boys from, you know, uh, different races and everything. So I felt like, well, maybe maybe it's the type of boy I'm dating. Maybe it's a, maybe I need to date older. I was still running into the same issues. I was I was dating people way ten years older than me and still running into the same issues. Ten years younger as well. Almost ten years younger, <laughs> and still running into the same issue. So it's gotten to the point now where there's just some things I would not tolerate. Now, if I'm, you know, if you you want to be single and we just talk and leave it at that, and we just, I guess I guess you want to call them fuck buddies. We can keep it at that. I'll I'll ride with that all day long, and I don't even like doing that. I really don't. But if you want to keep it at that, I'll do that. But when that title comes and that relationship comes, there's just stuff I won't deal with. I've gotten, you know, too far in my life to be sitting up here, sitting in the house, and you running the streets. I, I, and running the streets, running around on me. I just can't do that anymore. It's just gotten to the point where I just can't do it anymore. It, it has happened, but I've gotten to the point where I, I can't let that happen anymore. And I've honestly sat and let it happen because I didn't even know what was going on. Right. I've gone to the. I, I was in a relationship, but I didn't even know what was going on until after it was going on, and then I couldn't even prove it. So, by the time it was over, with, then that of course, oh Dante as well. This one doesn't, you know, this has happened and that has happened, and right. you know, it's too little, too much, too little, too late. Then, so and there's just I've gotten to the point now where I just don't tolerate it. And, and I'll and I'll say this: we have just a few minutes, but I, I'll say this. With all the bullshit aside, I just really feel like what is for you is for you, and as long as you're doing great and you're do- and you're doing the best that you can do either in or out of that relationship, and you're setting yourself up to to you know what I'm saying be the best husband or wife to people are you know are lesbians out there or even our you know our cisgender women out there you know whatever like as long as you're setting yourself up and you know that you're doing the right thing, I feel like even through failed relationships. That prince charm, you know, that princess or whatever, it's, it's going to find you. It's going to happen. So don't be discouraged over the, the, the experiences that you've had because those experiences that you've had, those trials and those tribulations in and out of relationships or in and out of dating, they're supposed to set you up, you know what I'm saying, for the right person. You know what I'm saying? So you don't have to continue to go down that road. So even while I'm trying to be single and trying to do my thing, do my thing career-wise and that be my focal point, you know, I know that whenever that person does come into my life, I'm ready for them. 
you know, I, I, I know what I've done wrong, I know what I've done right, and I know what I want to do with the next person that ever, you know, walks into my life. So I just want all of us, everyone listening and also on the panel, you know, just, you know, just, just continue to live life, do your very best. We're all intelligent men, strong men, uh, you know, uh, in the community, and, and, and we know exactly what we will, you know, ride with and what we won't ride with. And at the end of the day, do not settle for anything. Do not, if you got to be a hard ass, I know Damien's a hard ass, and we're trying to be a hard ass, you know, you know, at the end of the day, don't settle. And somebody got something going on in the background, so you might want to mute your phone. Um, but, um, yeah, just, just don't settle. Just don't settle. So we got four minutes, and really we got two minutes because I have to play my closing. But did anyone want to have any last words? Because I'm sure this is not the last time that we're going to have a conversation because I think this is one of the very best or the better um, conversation, you know, shows that I've had. So I'm really glad that I had you guys on here to give different perspectives. But did anyone want to have any last words really quickly before we um, depart? No last word. Just I think the moral out of what I got out of the whole um, situation is um, just in relationships us as a whole, gay, black, male, whatever you want to call it, just get to know who you are. And I think once everyone gets to know who they are, everything else can be made better because that means you have a clear mind and, and, we, can, and we can do things. So, I mean, that's what I took out of this conversation as, as a whole Me. Thank you, thank you. Davian, um, Kevin, really quickly, because we we, you got about a, a couple seconds. So anybody want to say anything else really quickly? I just hey, say I be better to have... our younger gays than they were to us. That's all. Say that again? And I... Be better to the younger gays than what? they were to us. Thank you. Kevin, really quick. I think that you have one life to live, so live, live life to the fullest. Live every day as much as you possibly can, and just try to figure out what your purpose is. Why am I here? What am I doing? And to each, to whom much is given, much is required. So please, and each one, teach one. Oh yes. Okay, I love it. Okay, Dante, real quick. Um, what I basically got from the conversation is uh, just to piggyback on what really Rayshon said. Uh, <laughs> you know, just. <laughs> I'm sorry. We'll continue it. We'll continue it. We'll okay. Continue it. <laughs> he, look, he'll, he'll post his comment on Facebook. So, guys, thank you very much. Everyone that's yeah. listening, please just stay on the line for me really quickly. Um, we will continue this conversation at a later date. But listen to the closing really quickly. My guys, stay on the line real quick. And um, thank you for tuning in. Well, guys, that's actually it for tonight's show. I would like to thank everyone who listened in on tonight, who supported the show, as well as my lovely panel. Thank you, guys, all my newbies, my first-timers. Thank you again for getting the conversation started on tonight, getting everybody's minds charged and challenged, and I'm sure we'll have much more to talk about as the year continues to play out, okay? And, hey, don't be afraid. Have these type of conversations among your friends, you know, at home, you know, um, when you're just chilling, not doing anything. Spark up those uh, those conversations. Have those open-ended conversations and, and see where each other's uh, mindset is. You know, you never know where your best friend, your sister, your brother, or your associate may may lie in the conversation. So it's always good. Remember, if you would like to promote your business, your brand, or your next event, please email us at thetalkwithmicah at gmail.com. Again, if you would like to promote your business, your brand, or your next event, please email us at thetalkwithmicah at gmail.com, and we'll get you started. Now, soon and very soon, I will have an all-transgendered panel 
hosted by the reigning Miss Black Universe and trans advocate herself, Miss Ebony Sherry of Atlanta, Georgia. So be on the lookout for that show, okay? Again, an all-stranger panel. We haven't had that in quite some time. Now, as always, i like to leave you all with a quote of the week. Now, here is this week's quote. You don't need a reason to love. Just do it. Love for no reason is the only thing that can eliminate hate for no reason. I'll say it again. You don't need a reason to love. Just do it. Love for no reason is the only thing that can eliminate hate for no reason. Okay, you got that word? I hope you did. Until next time, everyone be blessed. <laughs>